It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Harrison Smith returns. What is up with Marcus Davenport and a big, long analysis of Byron Murphy? Let's get into it on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it? Three, one, two, three. You, like it? you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun, and you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day each and every day. You can find this show wherever you find your podcasts, including YouTube and Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. This episode of Locked On Vikings podcast is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2013 Nissan Aria. The Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Um, Today, most of the show is going to be Byron Murphy. I wanted this to be a Byron Murphy analysis episode. There are a couple of quick news things to get to. Um, the first of which is that Harrison Smith is back. Look, there's not a lot to say about this that hasn't already been said. I've kind of talked about what it means for him in the Brian Flores defense. Um, he only blitzed like 12 times last year, and I think he might cross that by the end of the first week (laughs) with Brian Flores. Not blitzing Harrison Smith was one of the greatest sins of the last staff, and I think it sort of caused him to, to have, I guess, some kind of down year, uh, and if you want to call it that, but not like that was his fault, right? Like he's just doing what the coaches ask. So, um, I'm really excited to have him back and pair him with Brian Flores. I thought he was the singular person from this defense that stood to improve the most just by the change in scheme that, that, that Flores brings. So that's very exciting. Um, he takes an $8 million salary with two mil in incentives. We don't know what those incentives are, but that represents a, uh, six and chain or closer to $7 million pay cut. Um, his base salary gets cut a little bit less than in half. Um, so that's a, a pretty substantial pay cut. And it's also about as low as one could have gotten reasonably with the structure of that contract before, um, it started to just like not even make sense to ask about. So there's that. There's also um, Marcus Davenport, who has not finished signing his contract yet. Everybody freaked out that he uh, is still hammering out the details of his contract. Th- that's why he wasn't introduced in a press conference with Josh Oliver and Byron Murphy, who uh, both went up in front of the media on Thursday. Um, don't freak out about that. That's not that weird. Uh, until we hear another piece of information that like, Hey, the contract's actually on the ropes. There's something that they actually don't like. Um, that's just, there there might just be something that's, that's hanging it up. I would imagine it's a one year, $13 million deal on a high risk player. I would imagine there is something incentive related. That is the holdup here that they're just staring at each other over. Um, also if you calculate everything the Vikings have done and you make a couple guesses about like what the pay cuts are that we don't know about. And some of the contract details we don't know about the Vikings are sitting somewhere in the six to $7 million in cap space range. 
um, after Harrison Smith took his pay cut. And that, of course, does not pay for the entirety of a $13 million one-year deal. Now, I would be pretty surprised if that th- that contract was structured such that the Vikings have to take a $13 million cap hit in one year. I would imagine some of it is uh, put into not likely to be earned incentives, which only hit your cap if that player hits that incentive. And if they do, they that cap credit will happen next year. That cap penalty will happen next year. Um, or just, you know, void your stuff if you really wanted to go that way too. There are definitely a lot of tools at the Vikings disposal to make it so that they don't have to pay 13 million one year. And I think that would be wise of them to do considering how much cap space they have in 2024. They're sitting at $85 million right now uh, in cap space. And that is after accounting for 28 mil dead from Kirk Cousins and um, a bunch of dead money now from Harrison Smith, who voided out the rest of his contract. And now he will be a free agent next year and come with a whole bunch of dead cap, just like Kirk Cousins. He'll come with like almost eight million in dead cap, assuming no extension is like renegotiated, which I would find unlikely, but never say never. Um, So they've got a lot of money in 2024. I I would be surprised to hear that they aren't using any of it to get Marcus Davenport secured. Um, But we just have to wait and see what what the deal is with that. a lot of times that kind of thing happens and then it's resolved in 48 hours and it turned out that there was some weird thing with offset language that they were making a big stink about and they all had to kind of renegotiate real quick. Um, but hey, could be a Zedarius Smith in Baltimore situation too. We don't really know anything about it and anybody who's making any assumptions is just kind of selling you snake oil. Um, so with that said, let's move on to Byron Murphy. And the first thing I want to do with Byron Murphy is I want to get Alex Clancy uh, from Locked On Cards in here to give me the the lowdown on him generally, and then we'll go into film study and some of the other stuff um, that I researched a little bit harder. All right, we are now going to Alex Clancy of Locked On Cards at Clancy's Corner on Twitter to tell me a little bit about Byron Murphy. Um, I guess, firstly, give me the lowdown on Byron Murphy on field as a player. Uh, is he zone corner, man corner? I know that this kind of gets confusing. Yeah, so he start like the idea when they drafted him was that they figured he'd play inside with the potential to become a, a CB one true bona fide outside corner. What kind of threw that in flux his rookie year was um, Patrick Peterson testing positive for PEDs, which left Byron Murphy to be CB one de facto his rookie season. He had a terrible year statistically, and it was kind of like did the Cardinals miss drafting him at the, atop the second atop the second round? And then, you know, he incrementally got better, okay? He can play both. I think he's better in man. And when he's healthy, especially the last two seasons, he put together a Pro Bowl year. Just unfortunately, it was the first half of 2021 and the first half of 2022. Split up. <laughs> yeah. So did he shadow? Because I know there's a the whole thing about him on, on Devontae Adams week two and a whole bunch to that stuff is that real did he really shout adams or is that one of those things where they didn't match up as much and we just kind of give him credit because he's the corner no i i think that they did and he shadowed uh dk metcalf even though the cardinals lost that game like if you if you go down if you want to go back and look like the first five or six games the cardinals played were against bona fide wide receiver ones and i i will throw out week one against kansas city the Cardinals just forgot they had a football game i think so everybody everybody played poorly in week one, but all Jeez. in all, Byron, yeah, Byron Murphy 
was a CB1 on track to be fringe all pro if he didn't get hurt. And, you know, he got hurt, back issues, and I feel like that is going to be the cloud over all of this probably contractually why he only got two years mm-hmm. and, and, and the, you know, the sticker price wasn't necessarily what people thought it could potentially be. And, and it's the real price is even lower than that. The contract structure is insane. Um, but I'll explain that and not use your time to do it. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to ask about that back injury though. Um, what, what is, is the nature of that back? Do you know any specifics about it? All I know is that he had some nebulous back issue. They kind of thought maybe he would come back for a few weeks. And then I think by like week 13, the writing was on the wall for the season and they went and shut him down. Is that the assess? Do you know any more than that? It's a grade two lower lumbar strain. So we both are well equipped in in the medical field to know exactly what that means. But that was the actual diagnosis and that's, Those are words I can mer- Google, though. That's yeah, absolutely <laughs> no. It's it's um. It was a back injury, but the thing is, Luke Braun. I don't know if the Cardinals were in contention if he would have played the last five or six. I, I don't know. That's one really? thing that is like you hope that everybody plays when they're healthy. You hope, but it's like w- w- I don't know. I don't know. And hopefully, you know what we saw at least through hard knocks and everything like that. He could have played, in my estimation, the last handful of games of the season. I just feel like at that point, it was just like, for what? I guess the competitive spirit, I guess, but like with so much impact going into free agency for him and for the team, maybe it was just like a, you know what, get better fully, and we'll talk about this when the season ends. And he ends up in uh, in Minnesota. Um it's it's all very interesting. Is there anything that else that I need to know about Byron Murphy? I, I get he can play inside, outside. He can play a little man and play a little zone. We don't really know what's up with that back injury. It, it feels like, is that the complete picture? I feel like I'm missing something. What the Cardinals were missing was talent in the cornerback room during the entirety of his stay here. So I feel like with a new system, with more talent, he will be a great beetle he's not going to be a great George Harrison. And I feel like that's something where Mm. if you have a group in the cornerback room, now the Cardinals have had, they've always had the safety valve with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson over the top. So he was able to take chances. uh, Didn't work out so well. Always like the first play of the game against Minnesota two years ago, where he got burns for a 75 yard touchdown catch. Kind of fell down, kind of got burned. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like as one of four, one of five, he could be great. I just don't think that he's necessarily a bona fide outside CB1 lockdown corner. He's shown flashes. I just don't know with sustainability, both injury and mm-hmm. on the field play, that that would necessarily be the case. And I think it's a fantastic contract for Minnesota. This is a win-win. I mean, it, it certainly will... reflects a level of uncertainty. Yeah. And I, and I feel like, and it's interesting, like, I don't know if he talked to Patrick Peterson and said, hey, it's a great organization, go there. Like, it's just, it's a weird, yeah. like, one, two, he leaves, Byron Murphy takes over. I don't know if it's if it's uh, circumstantial or coincidental, but I feel like what you do have, a good locker room guy, got a great head on his shoulders, is a good football player, and when he's not injured over the last two seasons, he's shown flashes of an elite level of play. And I know that it's, you know, it's cloudy, like those words, that's all on the spectrum. But I think overall, it's a home mm-hmm. run for Minnesota. 
Well, I sure love to hear that. You can all check out, and I strongly recommend Locked On Cards, especially when bad things happen to the Cardinals. It's fantastic. Must-listen content. Love you, Alex. Thank you so much for giving me your time. Of course. Thanks again to Alex Clancy. Uh, More on Byron Murphy in just a moment. But first, let me talk to you about the best-tasting protein bar on the planet. It is Built Bar. And I'm talking about Built Bar. And it's March. And you know what that means? Built Madness, baby. Built Bar's the Built March Madness bracket is here. If you have a favorite flavor, flavor, go and vote for it at BuiltMarchMadness.com. Um, personally, I don't think anybody's going to be able to take out coconut brownie chunk, but if you're not a coconut, I'm not a coconut person, and I love it. Like, it has convinced me. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. The, the brownie chunk ones, I think, are the elites. Those are the one seeds. Um, but if you have a favorite flavor you want to go win, Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com. And it's not just a fun little bracket. If you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. And one Locked On fan gets a 12-month subscription to Built. So you can have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly right to your door. you got to try this delicious protein bar covered in 100% chocolate that is low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, low-in-fat, Absolutely fantastic stuff. Run on, run on over to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now. Vote for your favorite and see if you can't get a little bit lucky. BuiltMarchMadness.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. Uh, for your second thing that you consume, go to patreon.com slash NFL. Maybe check out the history doc. It is the seven-part history of the entire Minnesota Vikings. Everything from Sid Hartman trying to tell Walter Wolfner that maybe there should be football in Minnesota all the way up through the 2021 season uh, came out at the start of last year. So go check that out. It's seven hours in total, like this whole season of TV. So go check it out. Um, let's move on though to Byron Murphy and the actual tape evaluation of him. Um, and I guess I wanted to start with the injury. Um, as Alex said, it is a grade two lower lumbar strain. And a lot of people are really scared of that back injury so much so that I'm sure it influenced the contract. Byron Murphy's contract is really, really low, um, and not nearly as guaranteed as I think it ought to be with how well he plays, which I will explain myself on that in a moment. But first, let's just kind of address that elephant in the room. Back injuries are very scary. And I think part of that is because this injury, which is a minor muscle strain, which is a tear, that is a tearing of tissue. Sprains are tearing is a tearing of tissue as well, but it's not a full tear. It's not even a 50% tear. I think it's 11 up to 50 is the grade two part of it, which means it's more than like a minor thing that maybe is a little sore, um, but it's not so much that it didn't require surgery. And Byron Murphy confirmed that on the podium uh, on Thursday. And it is something that typically heals on its own. Grade two 
lower and the lower lumbar just uh, refers to where on the back it is. It's just the lower back strain. And that is the kind of thing that typically heals within two months or so, three weeks to two months. So if you look at the timeline of when he suffered that injury and he first started missing time in like week nine and then by week 13, he was shut down. That's like a month and change. Um, and with Clancy saying, I don't know if he even would have played. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. You get hurt with an injury like that in week nine. Two months later, it's like the last game of the season. Would he have even played in it, right? Um, so that timeline makes sense to me. Um, as far as I could tell, now, I am no doctor. I am a guy Googling stuff. All right, I'm a podcaster with Google. Um, so uh, back doctors, orthopedists or whatever, if you can... Um, correct me on this, but from what I could find, I did not find any long-term complications that were common with grade two moderate muscle strains in the back. Um, when I hear back injury, my first thought goes to like disc injury, like a spine thing. And that's the kind of thing that lingers. That's the Daniel Hunter thing. There's an area Smith thing, JJ Watt, all these guys have all this, these problems, right? And, and it can kind of rear its ugly head and knock you out for a year. This is not that kind of injury. This is the kind of thing that should be, uh, completely in the past. The only thing that I could find that were like complications could arise is that it could cause that kind of scary spy spine injury, but it seems like only because of the way that it affects, like, you know, you have muscles torn and that's going to affect the way that things align. And then with things misaligned, trauma during the course of your recovery of that injury, um, like if you tried to play through it, could lead to a greater spinal injury because things aren't aligned the way they're, they're supposed to and your spine isn't compressing the way that it's supposed to. Um, as far as I understand, that is not the case for Byron Murphy and uh, because, I mean, he wasn't playing, right? So I, I would assume that that is not the case. But again, I don't know. I don't know his medical records. I'm not speaking on any level of expertise or authority here. I'm just a dude that Googled it for you, so you don't have to. Um, but that's the best I got on that injury. Enough of that. On the actual field. Byron Murphy rules, all right? I'm, I'm sick of hearing that he's just a, a zone corner. And that's a PFF take that I've heard. I think it's asinine. Um, and, and I think that that just goes down to the way that PFF charts zone is very odd sometimes and, and, and leads. If you, if you don't really investigate that, you don't look deeper, it, it can mislead you. Um, I think Byron Murphy is a much better man, press man corner than he is. I mean, he's fine as his own corner, but I think it's a waste of good press man talents. Um, here is the deal with him. His feet rule. He's, he's got awesome. I love Byron Murphy's feet, and you can quote me on that. <laughs> um, the, with cornerbacks, uh, especially when you're in press, that means you have no cushion. So that means whatever that receiver does, you have to react to it instantly, and you don't really have a lot of room to screw up. And so you'll give, you know, in a, in a press alignment, maybe they're lined up off the ball and you're lined up just a yard back from the line. You'll have like two year, yards of, of, of quote unquote cushion. Whereas if you're off, you have like 10 yards of cushion. That two yards is really, really valuable. It's all the space that you have to work with. So the wide receiver and the best example of this came against Devonte Adams. And there might not be anybody better in the league at this. Um, but that matchup really showcased what Byron Murphy can do because Devonte Adams, his goal is to take care of that two yards of space, is to essentially shuffle step and chop step all the way up into your face, you know, and you'll see wide receivers like drilling it on those little ropes 
and, and you know, really drilling their their releases to really, really, really quick short steps. And corners want to do quick short back steps. And essentially, if Devontae Adams covers more space than your backpedal buys, he is taking space away from you. And then when he actually breaks, he wants to be in your face. They teach it to wide receivers, you know, uh, close space to create space. I want to be in your face. I want to be right up on you so that when I break, you have absolutely no time to react to it. And the corner wants to deny this. So Byron Murphy's feet being really choppy and really fast um, allow him to get a lot of that backpedal space back, and then he can react a little bit better to Devontae Adams's break. That puts him in a good position for the entire rep, and then it's just a matter of transition and run, and that's the easy part. Um, in my opinion, I think so many wide receiver and cornerback reps, like one-on-one reps, are won and lost in the first five to ten steps. Uh, or in the first three or four yards, maybe is a better way to put it. Because uh, sometimes it's the first two steps, depending on the release he I think Byron Murphy's really good at those steps. And when he is wrong, he can turn himself around. Hips are very smooth. He can turn it in coverage. Um, again, he was his own corner coming out of Washington. And he did a lot of press bail. That's what Washington does. They like live in press bail, cover three. Um, so he really got that hip transition down pat, and you can tell. Um, so technique wise, it's really, really, really cool. And it's great. And he's heady too. He can read route concepts. He can read the quarterback's feet when that's appropriate. He's aware of the situations. He's a very smart corner. All of that stuff is awesome. And I absolutely love it. There's some other stuff I don't love so much, uh, but I'm not going to flip out too much about it just because I I think what I've already told you outweighs it by quite a lot. I might spend more time talking about it because it's like interesting. Uh, but don't mistake that for me thinking it's a bigger priority because what matters to me is that his feet are in the right place, his hips are smooth, he can transition, um, and that he can read what he's supposed to read. Oh, that's that's what I want in a corner. Like that's those all the that's maybe the four most important things, and he checks all the all those boxes. The boxes he doesn't check, he is not a particularly astounding athlete for an NFL corner. Um, four, five, five, forties, five foot 11, 190. that size will play that 40 is doable, but it's not great. And the long speed in general, and I think he's got not great burst too. can get exposed on longer developing stuff like a deep corners or, um, you know, deep overs, crossing routes, that kind of stuff. You can see him get kind of run by a little bit, even though he transitioned perfectly and and his feet were in the right place and everything. He just, you know, DK Metcalf runs by him and is like, all right. Um, And I think that enough teams have guys that are as athletic as DK Metcalf that that's a concern for me. Um, But again, as a corner, if that's a, if you're going up against a burner, right? You know, if you're you're going up against Christian Watson, Jamison Williams, those couple in our division, right? Real fast guys. Um, and this is part of why Christian Watson, I think, struggled earlier in the season is you just play off him, get cushion. And if that if that receiver doesn't know how to take care of it, this is what's going to happen to Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt coming out. And I, I'm hating on him so much. Um, but if you can just play off him and he doesn't know how to punish that, then you just live like that all day. And there's nothing that speed is going to do. Just give yourself a head start. Right. Uh, and you kind of have to force him to have a little bit more versatility and skill set, And then you got to know how to play off coverage, which for whatever it's worth kind of looks like easy mode for Byron Murphy. I, I focused more on the press 
press man reps because that's the hardest assignment. Once you start giving yourself 10 yards, it's like, yeah, as long as you're not like also like backing up a whole bunch and doing the Cam Dantzler thing, which he doesn't, uh, then you're you're pretty much fine there. And it's all very assignment sound and zone coverage and all that stuff. Um, kind of no no areas for concern there, but that's also a, a much more common skill set. The press man thing is not, and I think that's very usable in a, in a defense like Brian Flores. So I'm super jazzed on him. But in the interest of honesty, I do want to make sure I tell you about all of the stuff that I don't really like, which is not limited to just his athleticism. But before I do that... Let me talk to you about a good old Gramble. We are in the midway in the midway point of the well, well past actually the midway point of the NBA season, and March Madness is on. How many of you had Princeton in your brackets? Uh, if you wanted to gramble on that, or maybe you want to pop in at halftime of a game like the uh, the Houston game where it was like almost tied at halftime, and then they pulled away. If you called that, you could have maybe made some money on FanDuel. Uh, that is America's number one sports book. New customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. And you can bet on spreads, money lines, uh, individual player stuff, and not just basketball. You can bet on hockey. You can bet on the XFL like a true Scotsman. <laughs> and even jam it all together for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to fanduel.com slash locked on, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let's wrap up this Byron Murphy conversation with a couple things that I don't love as much. So I don't love the speed. Um, I don't love the just like moments that just come down to raw athleticism is just not his forte. And his game is really tailored to preventing that. He's going to bail very quickly. He's going to play a little bit more. I'll play a little more of a conservative game. Not so much of one that he lets a bunch of 12-yard passes up in front of him. Again, we're not doing the Cam Dantzler thing. Um, but it's like, it's on that track, just not so far down it as to become its own problem. Um, and, and that's fine. I, I don't mind conservative corner play at all. Uh, I, and I think with cornerback, you would much rather be a guy who underreacts than a guy who overreacts. Um, but one thing I do like about Byron Murphy, this is something I should probably get into as well. When he does get out of phase and Hey, everybody loses off the release sometimes, right? You go for a jam, you miss, it happens. Um, but when he's out of phase, uh, and for corners out of phase just means you're, you're not hip to hip with the guy. If you're in phase, that means you're with the guy. And 
when the ball is thrown, you can turn your head. When the wide receiver turns their head, you can look for the ball. You can try to make a play on it. When you're out of phase, that means you're too far behind to plausibly be able to make a play on the ball. And that means when the ball is thrown, you need to watch that wide receiver. And when he turns his head, you have to hope he is slowing down, get your hand up and, and swat it. Um, when Byron Murphy is out of phase, you prefer you nev- to never be out of phase, but that ain't, that's not real, not realistic. Um, he's really comfortable out of phase. Maybe he got burned a whole bunch in college. He got used to it or something like that, but he's really comfortable when the play is not going very well. A lot of younger corners. I'm seeing this a ton with all these draft kids. When you, when, we, when I watch them, when they're out of phase, it's like panic time. You, you, you reach your hand out and you grab, uh, you try to pull them back towards you. You get a flag, right? Um, one thing you'll see a lot is they'll just hum. They'll just put like put the gas on 100% and they'll try to catch up and get back in phase, but they're really just running at where that receiver is rather than playing their route, watching their tendencies, watching their hips. So then that receiver breaks off and you're out of phase again because you were just kind of running at them and you weren't actually trying to get up with them and then continue to react to them because you're in panic mode. You're just like, ah, you got to get back up to my guy. There is... Not an ounce of panic in Byron Murphy when he's out of phase. I really, really love it. It's very reactive. It's very, okay, now I'm in trail position. Now we can play in trail position. Trail position, it just means when you're a step or two behind. And some coverages actually have you do that on purpose because there's somebody over the top or poaching from the other side or something. Um, and, and he'll just play it like he's in trail position. And if that ever stops, he will go to face guarding. He, will, he won't get greedy and try to turn his head, which you'll see a lot of out of phase young corners will they'll get up to the the receiver and then they'll be like okay now i'm here i'm back in phase i did it i can turn my head and look for the ball and then that's exactly when the wide receiver breaks off of him he won't do that it's like okay i'm out of phase this is now just an out of phase rep i am waiting i'm gonna stay with you i'm gonna keep my eye on you and i'm gonna react to whatever you do until the ball is there and once you turn your head, I'm making a play on it, and he can make a play on it. It's very reassuring. It's like, okay, he can get beat off the line, and the rep ain't over. That's really, really nice. There's a good contingency to that. I love that. So <laughs> I've stalled enough. Let's talk about physicality. Um, physicality in corners, I think, manifests itself in two ways. And so when you call Byron Murphy a physical corner, which most people would, I think they're really only talking about one of those two ways. In coverage, in routes, when the route has to go through him, some coverages have you do you, you you park yourself in a certain spot, and if the route has to go through you, you kind of make them survive that contact. Um, he's really good at being a problem when that's the case, and he he survives the con- contact many times. The wide receiver can't, and and this was this was a note I wrote when I was watching him versus DK Metcalf, like he was having DK Metcalf knocked off of his rhythm. That's a big dude to do that too when you are a 5'9", 190, or 5'11", 190 corner. So when it comes to that physicality or just locking a guy up or you know within five yards being really pushy and trying to influence people, that physicality is there um, and, and really a strength. So when you hear physical corner, people are talking about that. But the other way of physical is what about in the run game? And here's the thing. Arizona did not use him in the run game basically at all. He was, wasn't really ever the force player. He wasn't really in that. He was covering receivers on the outside. He also plays in the slot for those who care about that. And it, it kind of depended on shadowing and, and what the defensive call was, but he would go in and out of the slot 
um, and, and sort of has that versatility as a piece. So that's nice. He also played a bunch of safety because Arizona called some inverted coverages and that happened. So he ended up playing some safety too. Why not? <laughs> Arizona was doing weird things and that defense was one of the softest units I've ever seen up there with the 2020 Vikings, which if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, is a very insulting thing to say. I insult you, Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> but Byron Murphy was not really part of that run defense. Um, and when it was like a bubble screen or something, you know, jet sweep or something where the corner did have to be involved way too often, he would shy away from contact. Uh, he really looked like a dude who just didn't want to smoke. Um, I'm sure that that's mega unfair. Uh, but from what I saw, he, as soon as another teammate was on the ball carrier, he would let up. And that's kind of hanging that teammate out to drag because now he has to make the tackle all on his own when he might even be making the tackle in a, you know, taking an angle to that tackle that sort of relies on the fact that you have a teammate right there. Like that happens, right? Um, when he is tackling, he is way too often an ankle diver uh, to the point where he has been hurdled. And and that is is not great. And I've seen him go and like try to light a dude up. And it, it's great when it happens. I want to see him do it more. There was one against Geno Smith where he had Geno Smith one-on-one -on -one in open space as a runner. Geno Smith had broken the pocket, was past the line of scrimmage. That dude was a runner, and he was standing straight up. And Byron Murphy kind of just went for a little shoulder tap and sort of let it up like he was trying not to get flagged. There is just this lack of physicality when actually tackling ball carriers that on any member of an NFL defense bothers the absolute heck out of me. Now, you might be screaming right now at your device or TV or whatever you're watching on uh, or listening on. Uh, hey, who cares about the run game? He's a corner. And bad. yeah, totally. You're right. This is absolutely not a higher priority thing than the stuff I already mentioned. Um, but it is sure is bothersome. And by signing Byron Murphy, the Vikings do have to kind of commit to a style of run defense that does not utilize the corner. And if Byron Murphy starts making plays as the force starts, you know, running in, blowing up blockers, making big tackles. I'll happily eat my words. And maybe that's just the way Arizona coached it. That could be the case. It could just be what Vance Joseph was doing was just not asking him to be part of it and telling him to preserve his body. Sure. I, I'm totally willing to be proven wrong on that. Um, but I, I, all I can do, all I got is the tape, right? All I, all I know is what I saw and what's out there. Uh, and what was out there was not a, a, a corner with that dog in him in the run game and in uh, after catch ball carrier tackle situations on the route, all kinds of dog in him, right? Actually covering all kinds of dog in him, tons of finesse, technique, polish, all of that great stuff all over him. Absolutely love it. Um, just if we're pointing out weaknesses, there's a physicality that was not there in certain cases. And then there is just sort of a general lack of, of top end athleticism that I think will always put a ceiling on the kind of corner he can be. You know, he's never going to be top five corner because he just isn't quite fast enough to not get burned by those burners sometimes. Um, but that kind of thing, he plays smart and tactically enough where that kind of thing is going to be limited. You're not going to get him in that position often enough because he knows who he is and he knows how he has to play. Um, and that's, and that's all. Okay. All of it adds up to a corner. I'm really, really excited about a guy who can shadow superstars. There's your CB one. I firmly believe he can be a CB one for the Vikings. And now we're looking for CB two. 
uh, or somebody to compete for that role with Caleb Evans or Andrew Booth or I don't know how you get, however you feel about those guys. Um, he can play slot if he has to, but I think relegating him to slot only would be the, sort of weird because he can play all over the field. Why wouldn't you put him all over the field? Um, I'm just really excited about Byron Murphy, man. Pretty sick stuff. Uh, next week, I'm sure we'll have news to talk about or whatever. So we'll just kind of keep that going. We'll get into mock draft stuff. We'll, we'll get deeper into draft stuff here as these weeks go onward. But for now, we're just kind of taking the news one day as it comes. Um, so come hang out. Hang out with me on Patreon, patreon.com slash NFL. Listen to this show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including YouTube. Come watch. And as always, Skull. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.